0: Hello. Welcome to the No Contempt Podcast. I don't know if that was British or Australian. Um, you know, some somebody once told me that Australian, if you want to speak Australian, you just talk British and you smile while you do it. So you're just like, oh crikey, right? Right? You know, like, you ready to worship God, church? I don't know if that theory is absolutely correct. Um, but anyway, uh, I want to start by saying this, uh, if you noticed the past few podcasts, whether this is the first one you've listened to, or you've listened to all of them, you might've noticed how often I use the, the phrases, not really phrases, but the, um, transitional words like, uh, and, um, and things of that nature. Um, I'm sorry. I apologize. My mom called me. And she was like, uh, she's like, Ben, uh, I love your podcast. It's awesome. You're doing a great job. You know, just like really, really awesome. Um, there's one little thing that I kind of wanted to point out to you. And uh, basically she was like, uh, you know, you, you use the word um a lot and that's fine. You can totally do that. But, but maybe you just, you know, might want to just kind of be aware of how much you use it. And obviously she was super sweet and kind as mothers are about these kind of things. But anyway, so uh, I think it's really embedded into my, my speech and it's going to take some doing to get it out. But I wanted to go ahead and say that because I will try to not say it so much if it's possible, but you know how these things are. So if you hear me say it, just call me out and, uh, you know, I can't hear you and it won't matter, but you might feel better about it anyway. Um, I want to, oh, there I, I did it right there. See, well, okay. I want to start out today with a quote, a quote from a man who is very inspirational to many of us, Um, and uh, this is the quote. He said, I have just described to you the Loch Ness Monster and the reward for his capture all the riches in Scotland. So I only have one question for you. Why are you here? And I feel like that is just a quote that I've learned to live by. That is by a man named Creed Bratton. And uh, if you don't know who Creed Bratton is, well, you're missing out. You're just missing out. But that is a quote that I've, I've really just taken to heart and uh, I believe is very inspirational every day, honestly. I, I feel like I should, I should have it on my, you know, kind of like the, the my wall, honestly, just as a motivational thing. Today, I want to get into something that I've already been into, but I want to get into it even more. So it's like, if we're in the metaphorical sinking sand of this subject, we're like going all the way down into it. And, uh, this is actually something I started a few weeks ago, um, called the Alabaster Box. And it's about purity, about the value of purity. I talked, um, in the last one about this, how, 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 valuable your purity is and why it's so important not to cast what is precious to the dogs, as Jesus said in Matthew 7, and understanding your value and not treating it lightly, not taking it lightly, not acting like you're not worth much or you're not, uh, you know, this is not a valuable thing. And I want to get into this a little bit more today, um, but a little bit different perspective. And that is um, the subtitle of this podcast is Redemption, the Buyback. And I want to talk about, um, last time I was talking to people from a perspective of saving your purity and keeping yourself pure and not wasting it on, on, you know, just worthless opportunities or worthless relationships. And when I say worthless, I mean just people that don't value it or things that you don't value. I don't mean that people are worthless. That's the opposite of the whole podcast that I'm doing. But I mean things that are just not full of understanding and value and commitment. But I want to talk today from a little bit different perspective, and that is people who have already been through some hard things, and people who have already messed up and already kind of failed, so to speak, in these areas. And there's um, a lot of people who are damaged, and who feel damaged, and feel like they're so messed up um, in the area of their sexuality and their purity and... Um, romance and love or whatever you want to call it. And I'm not here to have like a big podcast about that, just that subject um, or talking about those kind of things in particular. More of what I want to do is just speak to people who have experienced hurt or damage or heartbreak or things in, in, you know, in their life and in that area of their life that have been hurt, that have been damaged in one way or the other, whether it's through broken relationships or being used or whether it's, you know, maybe you were molested when you were younger, or maybe you were exposed to something at a young age um, that really, you know, damaged you. And I want to get into that today. And uh, right off the bat, what I want to do is I want to read a couple scriptures as we get into it and talking about this, what it means Uh, to be redeemed, what it means to be bought back. Redemption literally means to buy something back. And uh, we're going to get into what that means in this particular setting a little bit more. But today to start out, I want to start out in the book of Hebrews, and I'm just going to read some verses. And, uh, you know, I don't really expect you to turn to these with me unless you really want to. If you're driving, then definitely don't, because I don't want you dying on my watch, if we can avoid it. Um, In Hebrews... The 12th chapter, um, it's talking about something that happened way back in the book of Genesis. And it's talking about two brothers, Jacob and Esau. And they were two brothers that um, you find them in the the chapter 25 of the book of Genesis in the Bible. And they were the sons of Isaac and Rebekah. And Isaac was Abraham's son that, you know, he, he was like a miracle baby. And, and then, you know, the Lord asked Abraham to sacrifice Isaac, and then Abraham was going to, but then the God's like, no, I was just, just testing you, and then he's like, don't kill your son, and so everything worked out well. Uh, Isaac married Rebecca. that's a kind of a cool story for another day, um, and then they had Jacob and Esau, and Esau um, was technically the first of the twins, because they're twins, that came out, and he had the right to um, the birthright of the firstborn. It's like a Hebrew tradition. I don't know if you're familiar with this or not, but he had the right to inheritance of the firstborn because he was the first one out of the womb. I don't really know how that's fair. I mean, it's like, you know, you did nothing to be first. You just happened to be first, you know, but that's how it was. And in Genesis 25, I'm going to reference this. um, That's what Hebrews is talking about. And in verse 15, it says this, looking diligently, lest any of you fail of the grace of God and lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you and thereby many be defiled so it's talking about this bitterness on the inside that defiles you that troubles you in other words it's something on the inside a brokenness a bitterness that it makes you bring down your own value. Because to defile something means um, to, to break it, or to um, it gets dirty, or it is no longer usable, or it's like the seal is broken, it's, this is contaminated, this is violated, this is corrupted, we can't use this. And to be defiled, it's saying that the thing that causes many people to be defiled, because we're talking about purity... We're talking about what purity is and the value of purity. It's saying this root of bitterness is the thing that tries to trouble you and defile you. Now, I'm going to keep reading here, but I want to just point that out. It said, lest there be any fornicator. So it's interesting that it uses the word fornicator because fornication, you know, it means uh, sex outside of covenant. Or, and it's not limited to that, but that's essentially what it means is any anything that's not inside the, the covenant that God created. Um, that's what fornication is. And it says, Lest there be any fornicator or profane person, as Esau, who, watch this, sold his birthright for one piece of food. It said in verse 17, For you know that afterward, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully. With tears, now there's several things in there that I'm emphasizing with my words. a couple of them are the blessing and looking for a place of repentance. We're going to come back to that in a little bit, looking for a place of repentance. but without reading the whole thing, essentially what this is talking about is in genesis twenty five um, Esau was a hunter, and Jacob was kind of like a chef. that was kind of his thing and G- and Esau was out hunting one day and he came home and Jacob said was making this uh, pot of stew and Esau was said I'm so hungry I'm like about to die give me some of that soup and Jacob said I'll give it to you if you'll sell me your birthright and Esau responded to this by saying what is this birthright to me what use is it to me what is it how does it valuing me he said I'm hungry I'm about to die he's like yeah you can have my birthright and later on after this It's a long story, but Jacob basically pretended to be Esau and received the blessing and the inheritance that Esau was supposed to use or supposed to have because Esau despised and didn't value his birthright. Now, remember, we're talking about purity and the value of purity, um, but we're talking about it from a perspective of what you've already done, what you've already sold, so to speak, what you've already lost. What's already taken place, and Esau is a person who looked for a place of repentance, but it says he didn't find it and remember we're talking about this root of bitterness that is troubling and defiling and how it relates to Esau. he sold something because he didn't value it, and then when he went to get it back he couldn't now i don't you know I don't know about you, but there are things that in my past that I've had regrets about and things that I've seen or heard or experienced that honestly I wish I would have never seen, heard, or experienced, Um, especially as a believer, especially as a child of God endeavoring to live a life that's pleasing to God and even, you know, to be in ministry to a certain extent. um, There are things I wish I would never have even been around, but you know there's so many people who live with regret of the past. They live with regret of relationships that are broken and didn't work out, or they live with regret from unfaithfulness in marriage or unfaithfulness in a relationship, or they live with regret um, or even guilt and shame because of what somebody else did to them. Or, there are people who have been victims of rape and, and molestation as young people, and it wasn't even their fault. They didn't do anything, but they still live with that that shame or that guilt or that sense of being damaged like they're damaged goods like something is lost and they can't get it back you've heard the term having your innocence stolen well that's a real thing having innocence stolen is a real thing and the enemy satan is the thief and john 10:10 10, 10 says the thief doesn't come but to kill to steal and to destroy And um, he's always doing that. And, you know, I I better say that the way it's supposed to be. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. There are people who would get on to me if I didn't say that right. But, you know, we talked about Judas on the last time um, on this subject, how he sold Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. What we, we didn't talk about is how afterwards Judas actually went back and tried to give the money back so they would let Jesus go. But it was too late they said, no, if you think you've sinned, the Pharisees that that gave him the money, they said, if you think you've sinned, that's your problem. Uh, we have Jesus and we're keeping him. And Judas actually went and killed himself and hung himself because he was so overcome with regret over what he had sold. And you know, there are people who have killed themselves because they were living with so much regret and so much shame from the past and what they've done and what had been done to them. And uh, that's a really sad thing. And you know um a lot of us have have had things like that um but well i mean have you have you lost anything precious because you didn't value it in the moment i mean and have you is there anything that you feel like you can't get it back now? I mean, I know I've had things like that and and the Lord understands that there are things like that. Well, the first thing I want to say is the answer to this um is well let me let me let me say this first there is an answer um the good news is that even if you have sold some things or even if you have given away or done things and you have regrets, there is an answer. And that's the, the best news is that there is an answer and it's not the end. Um, there is redemption and redemption means to buy back. I want to read this scripture to you in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. It says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. If you look down in this chapter, it talks about reconciliation with God. Well, reconciliation is bringing something together that was broken. Uh, it's a picture of peace. The Hebrew word for peace is shalom, which means nothing missing and nothing broken. And the Greek word for peace is irene, which actually means one, to set at one again. So you look at the Hebrew and the Greek word here, both have this picture of things that are separated or broken being restored and made one again. And in this verse, uh, what we're looking at in 2 Corinthians 5, down in verse 21, it says, "'He has made him, Jesus, to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ.'" I want to encourage you today, whether you're somebody who has regrets or not, if you choose Christ, if you choose to be in Christ, which is a free gift, and if you've been redeemed by him and redeemed by his blood, you are a new creation in Christ and it doesn't matter what you've done, doesn't matter what you've seen, doesn't matter what you've been around, you are a new creation, you are brand new. And you know, I was thinking about this, and I just ordered a I just ordered a tablet uh, for myself, and I was gonna get a refurbished one, because they're a little bit cheaper. Uh, You know, and to refurbish something means you take something that is used and maybe even damaged, and you you make it like new. You make it to where it it operates well and it's good. And I was gonna get that, and I thought, oh, that would be a cool you know example to use on this podcast about you know, something that's refurbished. But the Lord, I believe, quickened this to my heart. He said, No. He said, because when you're in Christ, you're not refurbished. You're brand new. And he and I ended up and this sounds silly, but I ended up ordering the brand new tablet. And I felt like the the, the Lord quickened this to me in my heart. He said, You're not just and when I say he said, I don't mean like I heard a voice. I mean like in my heart, like I, I, I saw this and I heard this, uh like a still small voice. He said no, when you're in me, you're brand new. It's like you've never been used before. You've never been touched before. You've never been damaged before. And that's what it means to be in Christ, to be a new creation. It means you're brand new. You're born again. And everything from the past is gone spiritually. Now, that doesn't mean that it's gone from your memory. That doesn't mean it's, it's gone from your mind. And it doesn't mean that it hasn't affected your soul at all. And I want to continue to talk about that. But, you know, uh, in Psalm 23, verse 3, it says that He restores my soul. And and the restoration of your emotions and your soul is a process that takes time uh, that the Lord has to do. But redemption means to buy back what was lost. It means to restore what was broken. And really, that is the gospel. The gospel is Jesus Came to buy us back. We were broken, we were destroyed by because of sin, because of disobedience, and we were corrupted by sin. The Bible talks about the corruption that is in this world through lust. Our our humanity was corrupted by sin. But Jesus came to buy us back. And even though we were damaged, even though we were in darkness, even though we were heathens, <laughs> Jesus still came to buy us back. And that really is the gospel in a nutshell. And uh, in Luke 15, uh, verse 8 through 10, I want to read this. This is really interesting. Uh, Let me turn there for just a second, if you will bear with me. In a little folly, as the Apostle Paul said. In Luke 15, um, you may have heard this before. It's, you know, and this chapter is the chapter that talks about the prodigal son. And you may have heard about the prodigal son. He was somebody who, you know, wasted his inheritance Mm -hmm. Um, and this really applies too. And I wasn't planning on talking about this, but I'm I better since I'm here. He wasted his inheritance on riotous living. He didn't value it. Uh, he he. And when it, it goes into details, he got drunk. He went to prostitutes. He blew all his money on all kinds of partying, and he was just a party animal. This is what he was. It was like you know, American Pie. Uh, you know, Hebrew. You know, all you know, New Testament or what I don't know. Like you know, the 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 Jewish version or you know. Prodigal Son, you know, um, I'm not encouraging those movies. I'm just saying you know that's you know what I'm talking about. Um, but this is what it was. It was you know a riotous living. Um, but he came to a point where he was he was empty. He was broken. He lost all his money, and it was a time of famine. And the Bible says he came to himself after he was eating pig food to try to just sustain him. And he had valued himself so little that he was willing to eat out of the the pig pen. And man, I think this is the picture of so many people sometimes, is that they they have so little value for themselves. Um, Maybe you've been damaged, maybe you've been used, maybe you've been with so many people, or maybe you were addicted to pornography or were exposed to things, or maybe you were molested or something, I don't know. But whatever the case, Satan tried to use that to make you feel damaged and no good. And because of that, you have continued to sell what is still precious, but because you didn't value it because you saw yourself as damaged. Man, there's revelation here. The Bible says, though, about the prodigal son, he came to himself and when he returned to the father, the father ran to him and put a robe on his finger, shoes on his, I'm sorry, <laughs> a robe on his finger, put a robe on his back, shoes on his feet and a ring on his finger. Well, remember the first one we talked about the ring, the Lord of the Rings. We talked about how the ring represented being a bearer of purity. I love that it says the father put a ring on his finger. What does that represent? I believe it represents purity. I believe it represents righteousness. When you run to the Father, when you come back to the Father, He's quick to throw a robe of righteousness around you, to put shoes on your feet, and to restore. Watch this, your purity. You can have your purity restored even after it's been damaged. You can have it bought back. Man, there's something important here. There's, there is revelation here, for sure. But you know, also in this same chapter, in chapter 15 of Luke, it talks about this, this, um, this woman. And it says, What woman, having ten pieces of silver, if she loses one piece, does not light a candle and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls her friends and her neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have, watch this, found the peace which I had lost. Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that." Repents. And remember earlier in Hebrews, I talked about how Esau was looking for a place of repentance because of what he lost and sold. And this is talking about a virgin, a young woman, who in Hebrew culture, these 10 coins actually represented a girl's purity. It actually represented her purity until she got married because she would actually, these were like a dowry, a thing that she would present. It was like an engagement ring kind of thing where that's why it was so precious to her. And when she lost one, it was like in her eyes, like she was losing a part of her purity and she rejoiced when she found it. Well, remember Esau? He sorrowed over what he lost. And he, he couldn't find this place of repentance but I love how it compares this being found to somebody who repents now there's something here that we got to get into about what we just saw about the prodigal son he made the first move and he came back to the father he made the first move and came back and and said lord I've messed up I've sinned I'm broken i'm I'm damaged what can I do i I'm, I'm lost and the father ran to him when he came home. You know, there's something about repentance that a lot of people don't talk about it very much, but it's not a bad thing. It's not a negative thing. We're not talking about repentance in the sense of like doing penance for your bad deeds. No, that's not what repentance is. Repentance is just surrender. Repentance is just saying, Lord, I've messed up. I've done wrong. I've messed things up. I need you. I need your help. And if you will help me, I will do what you want me to do. I'm willing to obey you. And and when you do that, man, the heavenly father runs to you and he wants to restore what was broken, what was lost. And you know, a lot of people, you know, you hear the way they talk, you know, they feel like because of, of what they've done or, or where they've been, they're just, they don't deserve much or they don't deserve what, what they want or what they're, you know, would like to have. They're just, they'll kind of take whatever they can get. I was talking to a man one time. It's kind of funny in his mid forties and kind of, you know, lived a a little bit of a rough life and and the Lord had brought him through a lot and loves God. Awesome guy. But you know, he'd come a long way and through a lot of stuff. And I was talking to him one time and and he's single. And he said, you know, I used to be, he has real Southern accent. He's, "I, I used to be real picky about, about, you know what kind of woman I wanted He says now, now I'm just like Lord just give me a woman Just just give me one that's kind of purdy Just give me one that, that I kind of like You know and I thought that was funny um, but, you know, a lot of people have that attitude. They're like, man, I've messed up. I've done so wrong. I've, I've screwed everything up. Um, you know, there's no way I could I could deserve anything good or anything, you know, worth having or somebody who, you know, would be a, a good, you know, be in a good relationship with somebody who actually, you know, uh, loves God or, or you know, and, and whatever the case is, there's that feeling of worthlessness or like, I don't deserve this or I, I can't do this because I've messed up because I've, I've screwed up. But I love how the prodigal son when he ran to the father when he repented there was grace there was mercy and the and the, the father restored to him what he'd lost he restored to him his place he restored to him his purity that ring he gave it back to him because he repented and came to him and there's nothing that God can't restore the only step to redemption from failure is to repent and confess And when you do, grace and healing flow freely to you. Healing may be a process, but the process begins with repentance. I want to tell you this story really quickly. A friend of mine uh, told it to me, and I thought it was really good. Um, And uh, I may not be getting the—I'm saying it off the top of my head, so I may not get all the details just right. But I heard about this guy who had uh, this—he was a guitarist, and he really liked the Fender Mustangs. He was a Nirvana fan. Um, back in the day, and he, f- you know, if you're familiar with the band Nirvana, Kurt Cobain played a Fender Mustang, that was his guitar, that was his thing, nice guitars, I like them myself, and he found this model of a of a Fender Mustang that was really nice, and he really liked it, and it was a great price, and uh, he bought it as kind of a birthday present, and it's kind of a memento because he really liked Kurt Cobain, and uh, a week later is when Kurt Cobain committed suicide. And uh, so this was like his prized possession because it, like, he was a huge fan and he was like, This is my guitar. This is great. But one, he said one time he was playing it and it dropped and it got damaged and there was, it was dented and scratched up really bad. And after a while, because it was damaged, he decided to sell it for just very, very little to what he had originally paid for it and what it was worth. And, uh, so he didn't see this guitar for a long time. Well, and this guitar went from one person to another and, and, uh, you know, somebody sold it for this and somebody used it for this, somebody pawned it here, you know, so on and so forth. And one day, I think it was like, what, 10 years later. And like I said, I'm, I'm not remembering all the details exactly, but like 10 years later, uh, he finds this guitar um, on Craigslist or, or whatever it is, and watch this—he buys it back. See, he sold it because it was damaged, and it and it didn't. The value went down in his eyes. Even though this was something precious, something he valued, something he really liked, and it represented something, he sold it because it was damaged, and he didn't think it was worth anything. But then, all these years later, he always regretted that decision. And then he finally had an opportunity, after all these years, to buy back his own guitar. And uh, man, it's amazing that so many people have sold things that are precious to them, have sold parts of themselves that are precious, and they can't get that back, they feel like. There's nothing they can do um, to get it back. There's nothing they can do to make up for that. But the truth is, um, if you will repent and ask God to forgive you and say, Lord, I've, I've messed up, I've missed it, I've screwed up all these ways. Jesus, number one, has already paid the price to buy you back spirit, soul, and body. And he can restore and redeem what was lost and broken. And there's nothing that he can't restore. There's nothing that he can't put back together, can't make new, can't fix. So I wanna encourage you today, um, if you're one of those people If you've been broken, if you've had something happen to you, if something just, you know, a memory or something um, from your past feels like it's damaged you or broken you, number one, it's not about what you deserve. It's about what Jesus paid for you. It's about the price he paid for you. And Romans 8.32 says, If God did not spare his own son, how will he not with him also freely give us all things? And uh, number one, God can restore what was broken and what was lost. And number two, uh, it's not about what you deserve, it's about His mercy. And there's nothing that God can't redeem and make better and restore. And He loves to give grace to humility. And He loves to do amazing, incredible, wonderful things for people who will just humble themselves and repent and say, Lord, I, I need you, and ask for mercy. The Bible says God delights in mercy. There, You know, people talk about how faith pleases God. And, you know, it depends on how you look at some of these things. But when I hear faith pleases God, I hear, you know, like a parent being pleased by their kid cleaning their room. It's like, oh, okay, that I'm pleased with you that you're in faith. I'm glad you're in faith. I'm glad you're doing that. You know, I want you, I need you to be in faith. But, you know, when the Bible says God delights in mercy... This isn't something that just pleases him. This is what he enjoys. This is what he delights in. This is like you know like a parent can be pleased with their kid for doing something good or getting good grades, but they don't delight in that the way they delight in spending time with their kid or or in having an opportunity to connect with their kid and have a good relationship with their kid. And honestly, you know, to show mercy and to say, "Hey, you know, I'm here for you, baby. I got you. God delights in mercy. I want to encourage you with that today. Redemption is the buyback and there's nothing that is too far or too gone for God to restore and to redeem. This has been the No Contempt Podcast. I want to encourage you uh, not to allow contempt to influence your value for yourself or anybody else. And remember these three things. God loves you. You are valuable and you have a purpose. So I hope you got something out of this. Don't forget the words of Creed Bratton that the reward for the capture of the Loch Ness Monster is all the riches in Scotland. So I only have one question for you. Why are you here? You guys have a great day. I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.